So we got a couple guys that didn't do anything today, Rhett and Evan, and then the other guys practiced, Nate. We were in pads, so Nate could do everything except some of the padded stuff because he had a non-contact day uh, as he moves through the protocol. And then the rest of the guys competed. So big challenge going to road, play the Bears. They're an outstanding team. Um, you know, they're battling through their season like we are. And, uh, you know, it's time for us to go out and get a victory. And we got to do the things necessary to do that. It starts by practicing the right way and then certainly by playing the right way. So that I'll take your questions. Pat, just to be clear, since they both practiced in full, are Shep and Rabbit at the point where all they need is the independent? Yeah, yeah. none of, none of, you know, you, listen, you're in the protocol until you're not. And a lot of times what happens is they get cleared at the end of the week with the anticipation that they will be cleared. So that's, I hope that's clear. Pat, obviously, uh, Daniel's fumbling issues have, have been something, excuse me, you guys look at. In your experience as an offensive coach, have you come across a player that has a propensity to do that, and, and, and what kind of things do you do to, to yeah, curb well, it? A common denominator, I, I suppose. Not a common theme on his fumbles. There was a couple times where a guy didn't get blocked properly and he got hit in the pocket, you know, where he's getting ready to throw. There was another one where he was actually in rhythm to make the throw, and he got tomahawk from behind. You know, that goes down as a sack fumble, right? So, you know, as I look through him, there's a handful of times in there when there's other things happening around him that need to be better. Uh, the other couple games ago, he's scrambling, gets a first down, and then fumbles at the end of the run. You can't do that. And, and so, um, to answer your question, there isn't a common denominator. It's not something that can't be corrected. Um, but much like um, when you get you know, turnovers on defense, much like, you know, the same thing can be said when you give up the ball on offense. It's certainly the ultimate responsibility, whoever's touching the ball, to make sure he does the right thing with it. But everybody around him has got to do the right things as well. Just a quick follow on that. Can it become a psychological thing where you're almost worried too much about it or, you know, you know that kind of thing? Sometimes running backs get into that vortex a little bit. Uh, no, I don't think so. As I said, if, the, if there was a common theme on all of it, then maybe. There's, there's probably independent reasons in each, in each situation why it's happened. What have you seen from Corey Valentine the last two games since he kind of took over a starting role? And is it impressive that it's right after he missed two games? And obviously, he must have stayed in his playbook during those time, that time he was out. Uh, no, I think he's, you know, again, he's, be, he's been hampered by injuries, which has kept, kept him out of there um, to some degree. Uh, but he's very competitive. Um, as you see, we're playing him primarily in the slot. And, you know, there's a lot happening there. He's got good instincts. He's a young player. Um, if you ask me about six or eight players on defense, I could say the same thing. Um, that he's seeing some things for the very first time. And so as he sees it more and more and more, he'll become smoother with his movements and, and, and his reactions. But he's very competitive. The thing I like about Corey is he's tough. And uh, he competes. And that's that's the starting point for a football player. You're going into a game against an opponent that has some uh, flux at quarterback. Uh, does either of them mean anything to you differently? And, and are you surprised that Trubisky, you know, very early in his career, all of a sudden there's questions about whether he's the guy there or not? 
No, I'm not nothing. No, not no and no and no. I mean, I, I think, you know, as we battle through our years, um, you know, there's you just battle through it. You know, unfortunately, he's had some injuries, Trubisky, and he's a tough he's a tough son of a gun that's battling back from it. And he's he's played good football. And uh, when it comes to uh, Daniels, if he's in there, you know, they, I think their offense will remain the same to some degree. Probably maybe a little less zone read, although they will do it in situations with whoever plays quarterback. Uh, but I think their concepts will remain the same. So, you know, to I guess I'm answering your question by saying, you know, we have to defend the Chicago Bears offense regardless of who's playing quarterback. And they're, they're both guys that have led their team to victories. So um, that's how we're approaching it. Young quarterback like that, you have one right now. I mean, how important in your mind is it to at least have the arrow pointing up the whole way, even if it's just slight? You know what I mean? As opposed to taking a dip and having to sit a guy and then bringing him back and questions, you know, that kind of thing. Well, I think whether the arrow's this, that's what people say outside. You know, when, when you have players in the building and you're playing, we always have the arrow up on them. Uh, it's the people outside that create what direction the arrow goes. And so we don't focus on that. We just just do everything we can, and I'm sure it's the same for them, to get the players that you have to play better and improve. Like in Chicago, I mean, you're not in Chicago, but the arrow, it's not just on the outside. I mean, they, they, they remove the quarterback from a game, and, you know, I mean, it's sometimes they do, you do that with players, right? Well, I think the co from the coach's perspective, I think he was removed from the game because he was hurting. That doesn't change the arrow on a guy. With Cleo Mack on the other side and some uncertainty with Nate Solder, um, what's the plan with, with Slade and Smith? And do you have to consider maybe adding an extra tight end on that side if you know they're matched up against Mack? Yeah, I mean, obviously they're tough matchups on the edges for whoever's blocking. You know, I think Floyd and Mack, you know, they're you know they got to spend special attention. Now there's times when the guys are going to have to block them one on one, but then you know I think we've We've watched the tape and we've seen all along that teams have a plan to try to negate the impact of those players who are very, very good players. And I think that that's just the tactics that are involved with playing the game. He's a little further removed from the ankle injury now, Saquon. How does he look to you? Is he better? Yeah, I mean, I think he, he always practices well, you know, and I think um, I imagine as he gets further and further away from that injury, he'll feel better and better. Uh, I would. Regardless of where you are, whether you just had a bye, nobody at this point in the season is 100%. So we all have to fight through that. Hal Peel goes right back. Uh, he's been back at, yeah, he's been back taking the one snaps. He's had a good couple of days of practice. Thank you, Alex. What, what did you see from uh, Simonson? Obviously, over the summer, you, you, know, you had to let him go for the injury and brought him back. Yeah. Um, you know, Scott's a very steady performer. He did a lot of good things for us a year ago uh, with our injuries at the tight end position with Rhett and Evan. Obviously, he was a guy that, um, you know, was on our short list. He was healthy, came back in, looked good running around, and, um, you know, most likely going to get an opportunity to play this week.